Thank you, Tupic. That was awesome. Uh, I, you know, it's good to hear God's word read, but read with passion like that is what we want, isn't it? Um, I'm one of the associate ministers here. I, I get the privilege of starting a new series called Awe in August, looking at how we can have awe for God, what he has done, who he is, how that makes a difference to you and to me today, and how it makes a difference in our week going forward as well. And um, following on from last week, it was Focus Sunday last week, and Archie Coates on video spoke to us about having courage from the story of Joshua. A courage that I expect in part Joshua learned from following Moses and from other things that happened to the Israelite people throughout their history up until that point. And today's passage is a song in response to an amazing moment in the history of Israel where Moses is writing something with Miriam and they write this song and they respond to something that God has done. And at the start of this new series, Awe in August, what does it mean to have awe for God? To be amazed by God, uh, who he is and what he has done for us. And today, we've just had read to us what Moses' response was to the awe that he has for God and for what he's done. It's a song of praise, of wonder, of detailed description of mighty acts and a throw to the future, a throw to future hope in light of momentary victory. The people of God had experienced a great breakthrough and deliverance and were celebrating their freedom from slavery and all that God had done in getting them to where they were today. Some immediate context might be helpful here. In chapter 14, just before this chapter, it's the chapter that you may have heard in children's stories, especially if we do children's Bible stories. It's this amazing moment where the Red Sea parted and the people of Israel got to walk through coming away from Egypt and towards the promised land. And as they thought all was going to go wrong as the Egyptian army chased them, actually God moved the sea over the Egyptian army and God's people knew freedom. Pharaoh changed his mind and decided they weren't allowed to go, but God moved in power. And there's a verse in chapter 14 that's going to come up on the screen now, which is Moses speaking to the people in the moment where it looked like everything was about to go wrong. He said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I want to explain today, I think, how we can stand on the truth of that verse today because of Jesus. But actually, there's an amazing moment there for God's people as Moses heard from God and spoke to the people. This song is about a response to something good. Um, I've got three kids, two, four, and six years old, and Sophie, the six-year-old, we occasionally let her stay up late when the other two have gone to bed, um, watch a movie, or play a board game that she likes. And we were playing Junior Monopoly the other day, and she won, and she genuinely won as well. I try. I'm not one of those let-you-win kind of parents. She beat us, and her response was to jump onto the seat and do a little dance. Do a little boogie. She was excited about that. I don't know whether you guys have been invited to any weddings or have got some coming up, but the bride and groom quite often at the time or definitely afterwards will send thank you cards, written responses of how they felt about the part you played in their wedding or what you have done to help them in their special day and to set them up for their life together. These are two responses to something good. One is more reactional and one is more thought out and written down. This song is a bit of both. Or take a new football signing. Jaden Sancho has just signed for Manchester United. People have looked in the, in the club, I'm sure, at his previous stats. He's good. 
They've looked at his goals and his assists or his mighty deeds. They have praised him for those things. And more than that, there's a hope for a future inheritance. He's a good player, so they're hoping that he'll bring success to the club. This song, you ready for the link, for the football link? It's exciting. This song, it looks back, it scans the facts, it responds with praise and shoots to the hope of a brighter future. There's lots going on in this passage. Singing songs was an important part of Jewish culture. It was songs of love and thanks, a way of passing down tradition. Some say this is the oldest recorded song, written to remind them of who God is after he delivers them from Egypt. So let's remind ourselves of some of the things that we had read earlier on and build a picture of who God is, what he can do, and what our response should be and what it means for you and I today in light of the New Testament as well. So who is God? Well, verse one, he's highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he's hurled into the sea. Verse six, he is majestic in power. Carries on verse 16, by the power of your arm, there will be as still as a stone. We read powerful deliverer. We read incomparable power. The Lord, verse two, is my strength and my defense. Verse 13, in your strength, you will guide them. We hear strength, we hear defense, we hear guide. We're building a picture of who God is. We read in verse 11, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory. Totally holy, totally glorious. We're building a picture. We're drawing a picture of what it is to say, who is this God? Verse 14, 15, and 16 describes the nations around response to this powerful God. They're scared. There is so much power in the God of Israel that they don't know what to do and they can't come up against it. They're terrified, it says, seized with trembling. A God to be feared. One that is feared back then and it's back to being God being so powerful, so full of power. And we hear these words about God and if we read scripture and we know God to be the same yesterday, today, and forever, then we can put these words into our understanding of who God is as well. A God to be feared, a powerful God, a God who is our defense, our guide, totally holy, totally glorious. This is the God that we know, but more on that a little bit later. So we've looked at, in this passage already at who God is, powerful, strong, defender, one to be feared, totally holy, totally glorious. Sounds good, right? Sounds great, I think. So why does God get described like this? And what is the kind of CV that Moses puts together in this song of why we would describe God like that? Well, we looked at the nations trembling, so we know that that, that is something, that's a response to, to what he's done and, and why they're trembling. We know that he's become my salvation, verse two. In this context, Exodus 14, what we talked about earlier of them coming out of Egypt, that's the saving that God has just done. We continue to read all the way through verses four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, about this, this story, this moment of going through the sea, of Pharaoh's chariots and his army coming after them and God sweeping them up. He saved them from slavery, from an, an, an immense-sized army a terrifying worldly situation. Verse eight, it says, the waters piled up, the surging waters stood up like a wall. I think we get into the children's Bible story mentality when we read these stories of, oh, that's nice, isn't it? Maybe we think of the River Thames 
or a, a really nice kind of small chilled ocean somewhere where actually you can walk out about 100, 200, 300 meters and it's totally fine. That's not what this scene is. This scene is utterly terrifying. This scene is walking through walls of water. I had a little Google this morning. I don't know if this is right back then, but there seems to me from what I Googled this morning, a whole lot of scary animals in the Red Sea. Okay, so as you're walking through, they're probably there and there, and you're going, oh my goodness. I have to remember as well that the Israelite people had seen God move. They had. They'd seen Moses bring all sorts of different things through the power of God and plagues and those kind of things. But actually, their personal moments of trust and faith, they'd not built those muscles much yet. They knew a God of the past, but this generation hadn't seen any of those moves of God until this moment. And so when they're walking through the sea, I don't know about you and me, but I go, I believe that God is good. I believe that he can do anything, but what happens if this sea stops working? Okay, and you're walking through. It's a moment of faith where they needed to believe all those things we said about God. Totally powerful. God who is our deliverer. God who is our strength, our guide. That, this is what God does in this passage. It's phenomenal. So he saves in power and he saves because of all the things that we've read that he is. All the things that scripture says about who God is gives him the ability, the right, the almost you shouldn't be surprised that these two walls of water and this is amazing saving moment from slavery to freedom. But today, if there's one line I want you to remember, it's this, and I'd like us to remember what it means, but, but to go back to is that he is not just a God that rescues from, but a God that rescues to. It's not just a God that rescues from, but a God that rescues to. We've seen how they've been saved in the last few verses, but there's also a place ahead, a saving to something. We see in many of the following chapters that this is not an easy journey for the Israelite people. There's a lot of ups and downs. They forget God. They turn away from God. They have tricky, tricky moments. But they know that there is a promise of a land, the promised land, a place to come, a place where they will dwell, a place that God has promised to their ancestors and that they are trying to find and, and move towards. Verse 13, it says, In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. A promise that he will be with them wherever they go. We heard that promise quoted about Joshua last week. But actually, God had promised to be with Moses. I'll be with you. I'll send you what you need. He gave Aaron as his voice. He, he was equipping Moses to be there and in, in, in this journey. But actually, they were going to somewhere. Psalm 77, verse 20, says, You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And this is the last verse of that psalm, and most of that psalm is describing the Red Sea. It's describing Exodus 14 and what happens in Exodus 15. And so when we read this, that you led your people like a flock, we should be thinking good shepherd. We th should be thinking the way that God shepherds his people, not just saving them from something, but leading them to something. And we're beginning to see links, words you hear spoken about Jesus, the good shepherd. We're beginning to see links about how maybe we can look at what we are looking to as well as what we have been saved from. Verse 17, you will bring them in and you will plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. So there's a lot here, isn't there? There's a lot here to take in. I hope we've taken in that God is amazing and that he's done amazing acts. That's how we summarize those first two parts. So what is their response? Well, Sophie's response in Junior Monopoly, it's a smaller thing, I grant that, was to dance, okay? And these guys, they, they sing. They write a song. They write a song of praise and thanks. God has broken the powers that held them captive and this was cause for breaking forth in songs of praise. 
There are times where songs happen spontaneously from our hearts or dances after Monopoly. But often I think it is a choice to praise and to say thank you. Verse 1 and 2 of this passage says, I will sing to the Lord, he is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. A response to who God is and what he's done. It's worth noting it's also the, the right response. Not always the one that we do and not always the one that the Israelite people did either. But time and time again, they had to come back to have the right response. You are the God of our ancestors. You are who you say you are. You are mighty in power, and I'm going to choose to stand in that truth today. That's something they had to keep on doing. So what about you and me now? How does this matter today, tomorrow? The Old Testament, it always echoes. It always echoes the bigger story of the Bible. It always echoes the same echo. The plot theme that goes throughout is not a moment, it's a thread. The Old Testament whispers of Jesus, always. It whispers of Jesus. And actually, in the Old Testament, we hear that whisper, and in the New Testament, we hear it proclaimed and announced loud. So what are the whispers here? The whispers that have substance for us today as we live post-Jesus dying and being raised to life and the relationship opportunity that that gives each and every one of us. Well, let's go back to what we said earlier. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the who and what God can do for us, that's all still there. That's part of our foundation in this moment. And then we see in this passage the word Lord, Yahweh. We see the word Lord in caps, in capitals. And so we read that, and we've got to be thinking, at least a little bit, we've got to be thinking Jesus. We've got to be thinking Jesus. We see that and we can hear whispers of Jesus. Verse 2, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Verse 6, your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. Verse 1, I sing to the Lord. Verse 3, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. All of these things we can use to describe Jesus. All of these words you can use. Moses is responding to a moment in song. One that's describing this moment of declaration, a statement of truth as they continue through a rocky journey to the promised land. Something to say and believe even when they don't feel like it. We sometimes read these words about Jesus and it doesn't feel true. Our feelings, our emotions, the things that affect those are subject to change and are not in our control. The truth of the Bible remains true all the way through that. Sometimes it's a choice. If you don't feel it this morning, that's okay. Sometimes it's a choice. Moses responds to the Lord's deliverance in praise. And we can know that even though things might be against us, Jesus has won the victory because he's defeated sin and death on the cross and whatever enemies we face we can know that Jesus has defeated the ultimate enemy and sin for us and we can walk in that victory that's the foundation of what we're going into next we can live in this victory rather than in discouragement we were encouraged last week to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power that's what Archie said in the video last week and today what is the freedom we need it's the echo it's the whisper it's Jesus 
one part of the three persons of God, the same God we read about in this passage, a God mighty in power who destroys our enemies, a God that saves and is worthy of praise. It's not just what we've been rescued from, but what we are rescued to. And what is that in Jesus? Where do we need deliverance? From slavery to freedom. No longer slaves is the name of the talk given for this or in August. Uh, and and that is the crux of it, is that we are not slaves anymore. But what does that mean? Hebrews 2, verse 15. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. That's what Jesus does. He rescues us to eternity. Yes. There is a hope of a, of a forever with God. But also each day, life in all of its fullness, knowing Jesus in the everyday. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. It's rescued to a relationship. They've seen the power of God demonstrated in such a way, the Israelite people have, that in years to come, they will always look back on this moment. Maybe for a lot of them, it was the first moment when they go, wow, we have a pretty awesome God, don't we? Look at these walls of water. Encouraged to go forward against any moment when they're walking around the walls of Jericho and they're whispering to each other, it's not going to work. <laughs> Someone might say, remember the sea? Didn't think that would work either, did we? They look back. And we look back on what God has done for us through Jesus on the cross and we know we can face anything that life throws at us. Jesus passed through the waters of death for you and me so that we can be free. Jesus is not a moment, he's a thread. He's all the way through. And today we can know the truth of who Jesus is in our lives shouted loud over every area of our lives. The Old Testament always echoes the character of God. God has always been a saving God. And through Jesus now we can opt into that forever saving. So what is our response? Verse 18 of our passage, the Lord reigns forever and ever. That means now. In your heart, you're saying amen. I can see it in your eyes. Amen. Same God today as the one we read about in Exodus 15. We can agree with that. And there's ramifications. So what do we do? What's our response this morning? We praise and we thank God for what he's done for us. We walk in the freedom earned for us on the cross. We realize that we have the kind of backup described in today's passage. But that, that's who's with us. That's amazing. It makes any problem probably seem smaller because of the size of our God. Like I said, they would have had to look back and remember what God had done. And we look back and we remember through scripture what Jesus has said to us, what God has spoken through his word to us. And we choose to believe in the truth of, of God's word and his promises to us. Sometimes that takes us to recenter ourselves and be deliberate about that. It's not always easy. It's not always a feeling. Sometimes it's a choice. So what's God done for them? Well, he saved them from physical slavery. What's Jesus done now? He saved you and I from being slaves to sin. God then was powerful, loving, saving, protecting, majestic, incomparable. Same now. That hasn't changed. The freedom that was won in this passage was bringing them out of Egypt. What is our freedom now? Well, it's from the power of sin in our lives. It's from death. It's from the ramifications of sin. Their inheritance was a promised land. They got there eventually. Our inheritance now is a place to dwell with God forever. But if that wasn't enough, we also have a perfect friend in Jesus to walk every step with and to know life in all of its fullness. It's a pretty good deal. 
Tim Chester puts it like this when commentating on this passage. He says, we are saved that we might enjoy the presence of God and dwell with him. We look back to see who God is, to see what he's done big picture and decide that he can do it again in our day. We started with a verse from Exodus 14. I'd like to read it to us again. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. We can take metaphor too far. We can make links that maybe aren't there. But if we want to call anything going on in our world that we need freedom from, the Egyptians, in the context of this verse, then because of the power of who Jesus is, we can speak these words that we know that the Lord will fight for us. We need only to be still. In Jesus, we have the promise of living free from a whole bunch of things. It's not just what we were saved from, but what we are saved to. We're saved from, from death. Jesus has paid the price for our sins, and that is the most amazing thing. Let's never forget how we felt at first about salvation. If that's something that you've never heard or never known, I'd love to pray with you later. There's also something about what we're saved to here. Life in all of its fullness. We're saved to freedom. I spoke on Sabbath a few weeks ago here at church. And I think it was just in the evening service I talked about how one of the marks of somebody who was in slavery at the time is they weren't allowed a day off. They weren't allowed Sabbath. And so we talked about how Sabbath in and of itself and choosing to rest is a mark of somebody who is free. And that's just one mark. The mark of people who are free are that actually we can look at things like fear and shame and guilt and we can speak there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus over our lives. We can have these moments of worrying about failure, but we can know that God says that he has a plan for us to prosper us and not to harm us. We, we worry and we have this fear of slavery to getting it right all the time, about comparison, about expectations at work and at home, a lack of peace in and through all of those things. And we go, well, the Bible says that he gives me peace that goes beyond my understanding and circumstance and guards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And you suddenly realize that when we live with Jesus and we live for Jesus, that we can choose to move from a place of slavery in our minds and in our hearts to a place of freedom. That's what Jesus has won for us on the cross. I'm going to invite Rory to come and join me. Now, we're going to respond um, in sung worship. We're allowed to sing together. There's some declarations we can make in some of the songs that we're about to sing, and that's amazing. But what I'd love to encourage us to do is to recognize that sometimes when we want to move from a place of bondage, of slavery, into a place of freedom, it requires a physical act. And I want to encourage all of us to stand now. Let's stand together. But I wonder whether for some of us we need to make a more deliberate moment of this where we're saying, actually, I want to, to know freedom. And what I want to encourage you to do, if you know that is, is you, is take a minute before you sing along with us and allow these words to be sung over you as, as a prayer. And it might be if you know that Holy Spirit in a moment is putting something deliberate, specific on your heart of a place that you want to move from slavery, from fear, to freedom. I'd encourage you that Holy Spirit can do that. I'd encourage you to pray with somebody afterwards or pray with somebody in your pew. But maybe in this song, you just want to, like Rima did with us earlier in the third part of our prayers, you just want to open up your hands to God.
And so, Holy Spirit, I want to know the freedom for which I was set free. There's a verse in the Bible which I love that says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And that's what we can walk in this morning. I'm going to say a short prayer, and then I'll encourage us to respond in song worship. God, I thank you for who you are. for the amazing list of things that we can use to describe you from today's passage, for your mighty works. Thank you for your son dying in place of the, of the wrong we do and the, and the sad things that that cause. I thank you that we are free from sin and death, free more and more to know a life of freedom as we ask you, Jesus, to break into every area of our lives. I thank you that it is a process that you transform us day by day more and more into your likeness. I thank you that we are no longer slaves and it's all been paid for by Jesus. Help us to respond now and to walk in that freedom. In Jesus' name.